Welcome to this APTA podcast. Defining moments spotlights a particular moment, incident, or case that led the writer to a career in physical therapy or confirmed why he or she became a physical therapist or physical therapist assistant. This is the account in his own words and voice of physical therapist Romanata Legaspi, who works for Fox Rehabilitation, an outpatient therapy company. He's a board-certified clinical specialist in geriatric physical therapy and is pursuing his second board certification in orthopedic physical therapy. In the summer of 2018, I received a call from the director of Fox Rehabilitation. She asked me if I could squeeze a new patient into my schedule during the week. At first, I was reluctant to add a new case to my burgeoning caseload. For one thing, it was a home visit and the patient lived at a considerable distance from my facility. But an even bigger reason was that around this time, I had begun to consider leaving the physical therapy profession. I had been feeling dissatisfied, especially with regard to burdensome documentation. I was pounding out notes on my computer instead of spending more time treating my patients during sessions and analyzing my techniques or treatment strategies to see how successful I was being at helping my patients meet their goals. My dissatisfaction had led to the illusion that the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. I was imagining myself treading a new and wonderful career path, even envisioning serving my church as a married deacon. Perhaps fate, if there is such a thing, must have drawn me away from that illusion and led me to see this new patient. Whatever it was that prompted me, off I went. I arrived 10 minutes early for our scheduled 9.30 a.m. session. Come on in, came a booming voice from a man in his 70s. He was seated in a recliner in the living room. His hands were full, a book in one hand, a cup of coffee in the other. There were, in fact, filled bookcases in every corner of his house. His manner of speaking indicated a well-formed mind. We began the examination. Although his medical diagnosis was mild Parkinson's disease, his chief complaint was pain in the low back and right buttock. When I asked him to stand up, to perform the lumbar extension with overpressure, I realized his height was as imposing as his voice. He stood six feet and five inches tall, counterbalanced by his physique. I could barely reach my other hand to his lower back when I put the gate belt around his waist. When I checked his muscle strength, he questioned 
the accuracy of the manual muscle test. In fact, observing precision in things quantifiable seemed to come second nature to him. I found myself asking silently as I considered his criticisms, isn't scientific precision or complete accuracy misleading? Do statistics, for example, not have a margin of error? He must have guessed the questions in my mind because he made a curious remark about scientific methods. He said that science's obsession with measurements and combination of numerical data regarding any object is inadequate to formulate a conclusion. As I would learn later, he had been a tenured physics professor at a reputable university for decades. I muse that his critique of science may well be applied to physical therapy. If I focused my attention only on the nitty gritty of the manual muscle tests, gait analysis, and other individual tests, and combine this comparatively small amount of data, it would not give me an integrated understanding of the patient's condition, let alone of him as a whole person. I may miss the forest for the trees. As I wrapped up our first session, he rose to his feet and walked over to the kitchen. He poured another cup of brewed coffee. As I was leaving his house, I could smell the aroma of the Arabica coffee wafting through the open window. There was something in my patient that brought out in me an unusually high respect for him. Yes, I felt as if he was too highly educated for me to hold a relaxed conversation, and I could hardly get comfortable enough to establish a rapport. But there was something in him I couldn't figure out at that moment. For that, I would have to discover in the succeeding sessions. The first visit had been one of the most mechanical sessions I ever had. The second session was the same as was the third, mechanical, lacking spontaneity in my demeanor. But it was in the third session that I discovered something that explained a huge collection of old books in the basement, shelved according to five categories that bore no direct relation to his being a physicist. What I discovered was a diploma in a dusty glass frame secured on the wall next to the bookshelf. Pontifical Gregorian University in Rome had conferred upon him the degree of Doctor of Sacred Theology. Are you a priest? I asked. Yes he said. No wonder he had those five categories of books in his bookshelves, history, philosophy, theology, classic literature, and depth psychology. No wonder he had elicited something in me at our first treatment encounter, 
not the fear and trembling one felt in the presence of God, but a great respect associated with the holy office he held, priesthood. I might have wanted to ask more to try to establish the rapport I felt was missing, but nothing came out of my mouth. How could I start a conversation when my mind felt almost empty of any knowledge in those five categories? The breadth of my knowledge was so specialized that it felt restricted to the narrow confines of my own field of practice. Finally, in the fourth session, I began to loosen up toward the end. I asked about the book on the small table beside his chair. He read the title to me, Aquinas, an, an introduction to the life and work of the great medieval thinker by F.C. Copleston. I asked who Thomas Aquinas was. He answered that Aquinas was a philosopher and theologian. He then went on to talk about Aquinas's philosophy. Of the many things he said about Aquinas, one thing that struck me the most was about the unity of body and soul. Aquinas, may patient stressed, believed that body and soul are one. Now my curiosity was sweated. How can body and soul be one? Isn't our body burdensome and therefore bad? Isn't the flesh, the body, opposed to spirit, to soul? Isn't the soul imprisoned in the body? I asked in a halting manner. I realized I had prejudices that had lain dormant until this different viewpoint impinged upon them. Early beliefs, likely from Sunday sermons, heard as a child that the soul reveals what is true and good, whereas the body fosters what is false and bad. In trying to paraphrase now how my patient responded to my questions in that session, I'm limited not so much by the space for this article as I am by my limited understanding of his thoughts on Aquinas's philosophy. But here is how I recall it. My patient stressed that Aquinas believed that body and soul are not two separate things, independent of one another. It is not as if the soul simply plunged into the body and is trapped inside. What Aquinas believed was that the soul is connected with the body. Aquinas borrowed an illustration from Aristotle, the imprint of a seal in a wax and the wax. It is not enough to only have the imprint. Wax is required to receive the imprint. In other words, the soul is to the body as the imprint in the wax is to the wax itself. This was an epiphany to me. I was trying to arrange opinions and questions in my mind, but I couldn't 
gather my thoughts. Had I done so, I was sure they would have struck him as superficial. But I did infer one thing. If body and soul are one, anything done to one affects the other. A mystic or a spiritual director or a psychoanalyst with a union bent may be able to lead a patient to get in touch with their inner self. As a physical therapist, I am limited to putting patients in touch with their bodies. Yet after that short lesson about Thomas Aquinas, I've come to know I can indirectly reach the soul through the body and help restore both for my patients. Physical therapy not only helps my patient regain the ability to walk with his dog in the park or celebrate Sunday mass or other prayer service with his congregation at the parish he serves. It also brings the possibility of wholeness to his life with his body in harmony with his mind. I came away from that session filled with a renewed vigor and appreciation of my profession. We continued for 12 more sessions. He was a creature of habits. And every time I entered his house, I found him with a cup of coffee and a book, reading and sipping. He spoke about many things that interested me to a certain degree, but none so much as the philosophies of Thomas Aquinas. For years, I had been busy inquiring, searching, and wondering what my life could have been like beyond the world of physical therapy. And yet, I had been in the midst of one of the noblest professions life could give me. Physical therapy does help restore the unity between body and soul. What more could I wish for? You can find more APTA podcasts like this one on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, or by visiting apta.org slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.